Welcome to Small Business Sisters, where two sisters who started their own separate businesses come together to share all things business growth and personal growth. Every week, they will share practical business tips that they have learned along their journey and share their individual perspectives. So grab a drink and join the sisterhood as we discuss all things womanhood, motherhood, and small business. On today's episode, we have Renee Odell from Pep and Punch, a local boutique close to me, Christina, and we're super excited to have her on. Renee is a former teacher and talks about leaving teaching and starting her own boutique. We talk about wholesale buying, what markets look like, and I'm super excited to announce that they are going to start carrying plus sizes in her boutique, so that's not very often that you'll find that in a boutique setting, so give them a follow on Instagram. Their handle is at Pep and Punch, all spelled out just like that. And um, we do want to apologize for the audio on this one. It was a little um, in and out and a little hard to hear, Renee, but hopefully you'll be able to power through those audio issues and get some inspiration from Renee. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode. Um, I think for a while there, we had a lot of like Jen's people from her little town on, and now we're having a lot of my little town on. My little town. (laughs) Oh, yeah. This is a little town. I like that. And actually, Renee is like, you've been here a long time. No. So I'm only five years in. My husband oh, was like so born like and me. raised here. First of, but your husband? Yeah. Yes. Got it. So, got it. Got it. Yeah. Because yeah. I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I knew something like. Awesome. Yeah. I'm and like, so an, we I'm like an hour away. Today so. Because not. That's where you're from. I'm like an hour away from here, but still very central Texas. Like growing up, I knew exactly where Liberty Hill was. That's so funny. It's a little baby town. So we are excited to have Renee on today because she owns a local boutique to uh, where we live. But before that, Renee was actually a school teacher. So Renee, will you tell us how you went from teaching to owning a boutique and like what that looked like? Sure. It's like I prepped for this on Friday without even knowing or Thursday without even knowing because I talked on our stories on Instagram about this, actually. So um, I I go a little bit further back than teaching. Oh, of course. Okay. So I, um, I came out of college, did what I did by my degree for like a hot minute, and then I had a small business in Bee Cave, Texas, which is 45 minutes from here. And at the age of 23, I had no business owning a business and lots of lessons were learned. And in the transition from that business into my next venture, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And anyway, I I was led to teaching. So I got my alternative certification to do um, high school social studies. And then I knew that I wanted to coach as well. So I coached anything in the realm of high school social studies for nine years. And then I was a JV basketball coach with some other sports sprinkled in for six years. And I was on maternity leave with my son. So that was winter of 2019. 
and it was like during those late nights, you know, um, and the wheels were just turning and I just had this vision. I was like, Liberty Hill is growing and it's going to be exactly what I just moved from. Um, and I was like, it's going to blow up. And if somebody doesn't cut, like if there were just like all of these, we'll say brands, like we're very much like my mom and I, we love brands and that's just the truth. So it was like, there were just these boutique brands that were missing from Liberty Hill. And it was like, if we didn't open a shop, somebody else was going to. And then in addition to that, there were many things taken into consideration. Like I was nine years into teaching and I think the statistic is three years. Like a lot of teachers leave the profession in the first three years. So I was beyond that statistic, but I was at a point where it was like, was I going to have enough at the end of the day in my tank for my own kids? So that's where I was at, like having an, yeah. a newborn. So Bear was maybe three months old when this came about, or he may have been three months old when, when we purchased the building. But regardless, it was just this vision. And I was like, I can make it work. My mom and I had had many conversations. She's my partner. Um, we'd had many conversations, like, how is this going to work? Are you going to continue to teach? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And um, it was the night before the, it was the night before the last day of school. So I think school was out, but it was the last, no, school wasn't out. Cause I had to walk in and tell like my favorite class that I wasn't coming back because they were juniors. And I also taught seniors and they were like so excited to have me again next year. And I just started bawling and was like, I'm not coming back. Um, and they were like, are you okay? <laughs> but um, yeah, that's just kind of how it came about. <laughs> And it was just a matter of like, I, things were very crystal clear that last night before school. And I was like, I can't do both. So I turned in my resignation and yeah, that was it. I didn't return. I think we have a lot of teachers listening who are currently uh, attempting the balance, not that it exists, but um, attempting to own two things, um, like own a business, like an online boutique and stay in the classroom. And I think that's, I, I'm not a teacher. I only sub, but I can only feel like it's almost like motherhood in the instance where you're like, but if I leave these kids, like who's going to do this or whatever. But sometimes you would like have to do that jump. Sometimes you have to take it and do what like sets your soul on fire. So I can speak to that from the perspective of at my first job, I had worked at the same school two years in a row and um, the other coaches had left like the year I was, I was on my third year of teaching, sorry, at that particular school. And it was like, I didn't want to leave the certain class. They were going to be juniors the next year or seniors the next year. And I didn't want to leave them because I was like, no, they need me. The kids are so resilient. like they're going to be okay without you. And if you have a passion and you just want to know what it's like on the other side and you don't have like these mega financial responsibility, like do it before you have kids. Like that's all I can say about that. Like before you just have these mega, <laughs> this mega weight of financial responsibility on you, um, like try, all you can do is try because like at 23, my first business was a failure failure like hard tears cried um lots of money lost 
And this time around, it was just a matter of like, if I don't do it, somebody else is going to, and then I'm going to have regret. And this time around, it can't be a failure. So. Um, my husband and I were actually just talking about that because we were talking about how many failed businesses Elon Musk has had. And then of course, Tesla is actually successful and people only know about that one. Um, but Jen and I are actually going to do a podcast episode about failures and like failures in business. So is there anything, you don't have to like go into detail about your, what your failure was, (laughs) but how, I guess, how did you know one, when to stop, but then two, like what motivated you? I know you're saying like, cause nobody else had the brands, but like something in you wasn't afraid to fail again. Okay. So wait, what was the first part of the question? <laughs> the The first part of the question was, um, what made you know to, that it was time's up on that business? Okay. So it was a matter of like, the well was dry. Like it wasn't bringing in any money and it was costing money. <laughs> and like when you can't pay yourself and loans are due, mm-hmm. you're kind of like, okay, it's time. And, and the writing was just on the wall and it was a matter of like not wanting to pay attention to it. So that would be that. Yeah. And then the yeah. next question okay, and then the was part- to, the drive to start another one, like kind of getting over that fear, mm-hmm. fe- fear of failure. Um, I was a lot more mature mm-hmm. and it wasn't, I didn't want the failure to, what is it like in vain? I didn't have that failure in vain. So it was like, I learned so much from that first failure of like the what not to do. And so I was just able to carry that forward. And I, and I did feel like I had a leg up this time. It was like, okay. I know that doesn't work. I know I need to be more conscientious of this. And even though they were two totally different. Oh my gosh, words escape me. Um, they were two totally different businesses, not in the same Concepts. arena. Thank you. Yes. Like not in the same arena. One iota, like very, very different. And um, so it was kind of like, it's kind of like the fear almost like, drives the success to a degree not saying we're uber successful but we survived covid and we opened in october 2019 so if we could survive 2020 we were like we'll be just fine so it's kind of like that Mm -hmm. fear of failure kind of drives like drives me it's like i can't uh, i can't be a two-time failure so yeah you're gonna say something oh I was going to go back to the teaching part because that's actually my <laughs> my degree too. And I never just like life, the circumstances, I never actually taught. But I always wondered, so teaching, do you feel like when you say you were like so depleted at the end of the day, do you think it's like the actual teaching and with the kids or do you just think the system is set up to just like drain our teachers and they're not? getting recharged and they're not like well compensated and so do you do you feel like leaving teaching to start your job was because you were more passionate about this new like entrepreneurship or like and the teaching system just doesn't work well or like genuinely like there's only so much you can do for kids I feel like that's a super loaded question um because I could we could talk about that. For a whole <laughs> I know. Episode. I 
Um, when I left, so when I first got in, like I was bright eyed, bushy tailed, like so excited. And people would say like, teachers don't make anything. Well, I was single. I had no kids. And I was like, I don't understand. Like I am rolling in the dough. Like this is amazing. Um, especially like teaching stipends do make a big difference. But if you're not like, if you're not counting the hours, it's great. And then if you start looking at the hours and like what you actually make, then you're like, oh man, I do make nothing. But anyway, like comfortable lifestyle, blah, blah, blah. Where it gets sticky to me is, um, I can only speak for Texas and this may ruffle some big, big feathers. I will never like really hold it against a school district. We love it. We love ruffling feathers. (laughs) Um, I would never hold it against individual teachers, but I do feel like a lot of hands are tied and that's, that's political, blah, blah, blah. Like you can't really do the job that you're, you signed up for because there's so much other fluff that you're like, Oh, good grief. Like I, if it were just me and the Mm -hmm. kids, amazing yeah amazing like people ask me like do you miss teaching yes and my response is always I miss the kids because unlike corporate America not that I consider our boutique corporate America at all but like unlike corporate America when you're in a classroom especially like the high school level because like I just get them on any given day, no matter how terrible the day you're having, one of them is going to make you laugh. One of them is going to make you smile. Like you're going to have those bright spots throughout the day, even on your worst days. So if it were just me and the kids and like, we could just do our thing and I could just teach and there wasn't a million other boxes to check, then no, I don't think I would have been as exhausted. Long story short. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I just, I think that's so, yes, that was a great answer. And I think that's just so great to, or so good to bring light to, because I think we as a society are so demanding of our teachers and like what we want education to be, but then we don't realize like this box and chains we put them in and that it's just not set up well, so... Yeah. Yeah. And Renee's a really good person to have these conversations with because she she was a government teacher. And I feel like government (laughs) teachers have to remain neutral on like everything. So whenever I go in and talk to Renee about any sort of thing, she's just like super like neutral, can see all of the pieces. And so she's a great person to ask that question to because very, very like here are the facts (laughs) and you can do what you would like with the facts. Yes, yes. If anybody's interested, like, go become a teacher um, for a minute. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I've only subbed this year and not even very many times, maybe six or seven times. And it's eye-opening. And I don't even do all the extra stuff um, from the outside. So it's crazy. Okay, so you said something about when you – stopped your first business, you learned what to do with this next one where it, it made you less afraid to fail. What is like one sim- like one thing that you learned that you did different the second time? From the get, it was very um, goal-driven. Like down to, I never set an annual goal to start with, but it was monthly goals like what do we have to bring in 
for X, Y, and Z to be covered. And then that broke down into weekly, daily goals as far as sales. So really it's numbers based. Like at 23, what are numbers? Mm -hmm. So that's just, that was a big from the get. It was like, okay, if this is the end result and this is, these are the bills we have that have to get paid, then we work backwards. Yeah, I feel it. I agree with that because that's the numbers seem like such a simple or I don't know, throwaway thing at the beginning, but it's so important to check that because that is kind of how you set your goals then is like, I need this X amount. And then so if if that if I'm short somewhere, then I know I'm going to hit the ground hard to fill in that, you know, like I'm going to go into getting more wholesale orders that month because I know there's this X amount I need to make up. So the, yeah, the numbers are so helpful. And like you just and said, they're Renee, so easy so to Renee, disregard. Business. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes. So your business is a boutique where you wholesale. Um, well, you curate your own line, but you wholesale um, products to come into your store. And so we've had only one other person on that does that. And so walk us through like, how that works, uh, like the, you go to market, you spend how many days at market, how do you figure out what you want to bring? Uh, what is that? Walk us through that. Oh, okay. So I will give you my experience and how my mom and I work and I'll give you what like my our coach says to do and rather we actually implement that so i was just looking because i knew that the question about markets would probably come up and i was like okay what what are the markets for us so we are like our our sign in front of our store says pep and punch apparel and gift so really in the world of markets that is two different markets that you attend and I, we just don't have all that. We just don't have all the time in the world. Like as far as employees go and who covers the shop, like we just don't have the time to really attend both like we should. And since my children are home, they're one and a half and three and a half and we keep them home right now. It's just like a lot of pressure to be like, okay, I got to get there, get it done and get home. Um, so we go to Dallas because that's like a three hour drive from here. and. Dallas Apparel, I'm trying to think. Okay, so Dallas Apparel is in Because if people don't know, have, markets are all over yes. the United States. The, the big ones are going to be Dallas, Atlanta, Vegas. Well, Magic in Vegas. Vegas is like this whole thing. There are a million markets in Vegas, and I don't have them all figured out. But I have attended Magic. So magic is an apparel market in Vegas. But during that time, there's like a million other markets too. So there's like Style Max in Chicago. I think there's Style Max in New York. But the big ones are going to be Dallas Magic for apparel. Dallas Magic and then um, Atlanta. But I've never gone to Atlanta because it intimidates me, if I'm being honest. So, um. Carol, we'll go June. So there's one in June and we're going for one day. And if we were brand new, I would not recommend going just one day 
but we're not. Um, so we'll drive up there. We will leave here at 4 a.m. And we'll get there around 7, 7.30. And really nothing opens until like 8, but I'm not dealing with traffic. So we'll sit in the parking lot. But we, um, we'll get up there around 8, and then I try to leave around <laughs> 2 to 3. And it's go, go, go. Like we may break for a lunch, but it's like grab and go. Like you sit, you eat, we get back to shopping. And then we'll turn around June 22nd and that's gift market. And so there are two large gift markets a year. One is in January, one is in June. And basically what you're doing with gift is you're buying for the next six months with your big lines. Um, so we'll go the 22nd again, we'll leave at 4am, but we won't come home until the 23rd. Like we'll give a, we'll give ourselves some extra time there. And that one you're buying for Christmas. Yes. Yes. Which. Okay. And can I ask kind of a dumb question? <laughs> no, go. Yeah. But do you, so when you say you're buying there, do you like, bring everything home with you or this is like ordering it and they send it to you that's not dumb at all okay so it's really we operate on <laughs> i didn't know any order. of this before i was friends <laughs> with all of them okay <laughs> we will place orders and like we can kind of dictate when they arrive um mm. to a degree you can dictate when they arrive because sometimes if you push the delivery off too long, like you won't, you, you're not going to get it. They will sell out and you're not going to get it. Even though you pre-ordered, like you're not going to get it. So, um, uh, no, we're not bringing anything home with us. There are some floors that is called what they call cash and carry. So I can go in there and like, if I wanted to buy some like hmm. small accessories, I can pay and like bring them home immediately. So that, that it is an option, but for the most part, like, we're not doing that. Um, it's like shopping at, it's like shopping at Ross or TJ Maxx. And like, you really have to dig for good finds and I just don't have the patience nor the time for that. So we don't. <laughs> and, and then. Okay. So you go to market, you, you decide what you want and then you wait. <laughs> <laughs> yes sort of I mean so there's more to it than that I guess I should have I, let me backtrack real quick when we're going to these markets so Dallas Market Center is open year-round and inside they have Dallas World World Trade Center is 15 floors and in there they have permanent showrooms so any day of the week, Monday through Friday, I could go and there are permanent showrooms that I can go in and place orders with. During these specific markets, they also have two floors that are nothing but temporaries that come in and set up for that week or whatnot. Um, so it is, it is possible to go up there anytime, but we go during these markets because we get to see and put our hands on clothes or gifts that we may not get to see the rest of the year and like only be able to view them online. Um, so that's kind of the big benefit to going to market. There was one market I sat out, which was January, 
21 because I was on maternity leave with my daughter and I had the biggest like FOMO ever. And I was like, okay, now I see why people go like, you need to put your hands on it. You need to see it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when you, when you guys buy a line, um, how, like, I guess, how often are you getting stuff in or do you basically do seasonal, like every season? Ooh, um, it's different, like apparel or gift, because that you've been in our store, so you know, like the the amount of like gift to apparel changes throughout the year depending on the need in our store. So sometimes we're more clothing mm-hmm. heavy, and other times we're heavier with gifts. So that just kind of depends. Um, honestly, like with clothes. I do not do a good enough job of ordering when we're at market with it. So I end up doing a lot like just online. Like I know the line, I've seen the line, like the quality per se of said vendor. So then I go home and like have to order mm-hmm. more to fill in. So um, in the apparel world, and this works for gift too, they have what they call, and this is what we should be doing. This is the part that I was like, what we do and then, what our coach tells us to do and I don't. Uh, and it's not because I'm just resisting it. It's just because I'm still overwhelmed with everything and juggling mom life and boutique world and all the things. And I feel like once my kids get in school mm-hmm. and I have more time during the day, maybe I'll just, I'll get it all together. But for now I don't. So they have what they call open to buy plans. And basically what I would do is I would say, oh, <laughs> I would say, okay, at the end of the month, we have this much inventory on the floor, but we should have set amount. Like, let's, let's just use like made, made up numbers here. We have 10,000 on the floor because we've sold through, but really we need like a total of 20,000. So I've got a deficit of $10,000 as far as inventory that needs to be on the floor. So then at the beginning of the month, like my open to buy for that month is $10,000. And then I have to go in and see like, okay, how much of that do I need to allocate towards gifts? How much of that do I allocate towards tops, towards bottoms, towards dresses, towards shoes? And that's really how you should do it. But again, I don't have my life together. So this is where we're at. And um, we go to market with spending plans. And I think to date, we have never adhered to our plan, but we are getting better about not as much not as big of a spin to where later we calculate and we're like oh but yeah that's what you're supposed to do is have an open to buy plan and we just don't so so this is a great time to talk about um liberty hill people who listen to this regularly know that liberty hill has a lot of boutiques we have about eight nine some are rotating in. So there's probably, we're probably up to 11 or 12 at this point. And um, so we talked at the beginning about how you said, hey, if no one else does this, I'm going to do it. And when Renee came in, Wildflower and Pep were about at the same time. And when we came on, I think there were only two others at that time. So then we came on and we were three and four. And then since then, it's now gotten up to the 11-ish range. So as you, when you say that you guys have done such a good job, like staying in your lane, um, of, of, um, I guess, how do I put this of like, 
the beautiful thing when you come to Liberty Hill and all these boutiques is each one is very different from the one down the street that it works. But what has been like, I guess your mindset in that, because you guys do such a good job of like, this is who we are and we're going to stay right here to fit this demographic of people or uh, this target market. And I guess like where, like, is that what you think about when you buy? Like, cause I, I just think that that's so cool and that makes it, it makes it, how am I supposed to, it makes it where all of us can survive in Liberty Hill. Um, but also tend to our people. I don't know how else to put it. Uh, no, I, I, I'm pretty sure I get what you're saying. So how do I want to answer this? If first things, well, if I basically I want to speak to being like community over competition. Like that's something that we all really strive for. And so, like, what does that mean to you? And then, like, how do you instill that? Okay. Um, first thing first, I guess, is like, we really try and in this day and age, it is so, so hard, but we really do try to find brands that will honor zip code protection, or area protection. And it's hard, like we had a line that overlapped, and it was supposed to be zip code protected. Um, you like wildflower and pep and punch did. So it's it's hard in that front Mm -hmm. but then i think like community over competition and not like it was never our intentions to like step on toes and we first came onto the scene like we went around to all of the boutiques that were open and like tried to make that very clear like oh you carry this line like i don't like if we walked through the store it wasn't because we were shopping you to take your lines it was because we wanted to make sure we didn't and that happens like, oh, okay, you carry, you know, like, oh, well, you carry shirts. Well, so do we. Like, it's not a matter of like, oh, we're not going to carry shirts. But like, I just want to make sure that we're a different style than you. Or, you know, um, mm-hmm. one of our boutique besties that's like our neighbor, she carries a, a cup line. Well, we didn't want to carry the same cup line. So we went and found a different one. Um so that was a big part mm-hmm. of it. And it's just, there really is enough to go around, but you just need to make sure that you're different. Like, I just don't understand like why you would want to mm-hmm. copy somebody else. Like you're not, no one's benefiting from that. If you're both pulling in the same lines, if you're sharing customers. And then the other part is, is like over the two and a half years when we first opened, like obviously we, I had a vision for our demographic, but you just never know what your demographic is going to end up being. And now two and a half years in, Mm -hmm. like we know exactly who our customer is. So sometimes when we go shopping, especially for apparel, you have to think about like your top customers, like your top shoppers. That If I get on a story and I'm like, Hey, we have this, Like I am talking to said person that I know is going to come in and buy it. So if I'm curating an outfit, if I'm, you know, styling an outfit while we're at market, I have to have specific customers in mind. And if I can nail those customers, Mm -hmm. there are going to be other customers in the mix too, that that would be their look. So it's just knowing your customers, knowing your style to separate you from, from your fellow boutiques. 
I think that's such helpful information because I, I think we can, from a human perspective, we want to like reach everybody and not leave anybody out. But as small business owners, then you then you're too like watered down and you you aren't reaching that specific customer. And so that's so helpful to have that one target customer in mind. So you're always speaking to them. So they find you. And then of course, there's going to be like the fringe of that, that will still shop with you too. But it's so helpful to remember like, okay, we're reaching for this one. Um, like, I don't know if you've named her. My, my, my target customer's name is Amelia. And like, I always speak to her and know that, so she's going to hear me. And if others to do too great, and if not, that's okay. That means they're the target customer of another, um, another small business. And that also helps me. I don't know if this helps you too. Then when I can start to compare myself as a small business to other small business owners, I can get like overwhelmed and anxious about that. But then if I just remember like, no, that's okay. They're doing it differently. I don't need to compare. They're just a different target market or a different lane. I can just stay in my lane and we can both be successful in our lanes and that's okay. But I feel like that helps me too to then come off the ledge of like, I'm not doing it right. (laughs) No, I think that that's, yeah, that's spot on. And, And sometimes you do get caught up in like, oh, what is somebody else doing? But at the end of the day, like you have no control over what somebody else is doing. And Christina, you've said that so many times. You're like, Mm -hmm. they can do whatever they want. Like, I can't, I have no control over what somebody else does. So you just kind of like keep your head down, maintain your lane. Yeah. And I think where we're, where we are is growing so astronomically um, that there is room for all of us. I also think, because like you, Renee, I was shocked at because I technically don't live in Liberty Hill but when we opened our business in Liberty Hill I was shocked at the demographic that is in Liberty Hill like I just it wasn't what I was expecting um just a very different mentality than um than what I thought and so it's been interesting too to watch like how there are so many sorts of people there now and then with people moving there that really your demographic when we each have like our target market it really has room to like sit there and and nurture the people that are within that but then of course you guys have heard me talk about that we do our huge boutique crawl twice a year and that's been such like a beautiful thing that people don't understand like people will still ask us like surely you guys aren't really close and 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 do life together and stuff but we really are we've become this like tight-knit group of people that um can even we'll even chat and be like like I texted Renee and one of the other business owners a couple weeks ago as we were trying to figure out our store hours and I was like what are y'all y'all's trends like I can't figure out like when to be open and they're they're quick to like say what they've experienced which is really huge because like you kind of think if I keep this tight-lipped and close to me then they won't do well or whatever, but we kind of have this bond where we all just kind of try to help each other. Uh, Yes. And when you become confident in your business, I think with that confidence comes the mentality of somebody else. And this is a hard lesson. And Christina knows 
like she knows a lot a lot of context to this for me when you become confident in your store and the relationships that you have built with your customers it doesn't matter if somebody else like copies you to a t because they're never going to be you they're never going to have that relationship with your mm -hmm. customers and it's so hard it is so hard but like it's just it's something that's definitely in 2022 for me is like at the like i try to keep it at the forefront of my mind is like nobody is ever going to be me nobody is ever going to replicate pep and punch no one's ever going to be my mom like it's just you can do everything the same but it's they're just never going to be you and the customers that you have are going to be loyal and they're your customers so i don't know if that's completely off topic at all but <laughs> there's something that you just said that made me think about that so Ah, oh, that no, that is so so good, and I just want to like drop the mic right after that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's true. It's you. As someone told me once because this comes up for me a lot, where I struggle with if I if I take my eyes off of my lane and look at somebody else and feel like they're like doing what I'm doing, then I can start to get anxious of like I'm gonna people are gonna leave me because it's right there. They can get the same thing. But someone told me once and it has stuck with me is like as a creative person, there's never gonna be a shortage of creativity or your essence. Like nobody can replicate your essence and what you bring to what you do. So subconsciously like people are buying from you because it's you and what you have created to yep. be while the products mm -hmm. are great it's still like your essence that people are buying and supporting so that that always helps me too that no one can be me in what um i do through my products <laughs> yeah as you guys are exactly. talking too i um I was I wrote this down of like when you're focusing on someone else in their business, you you physically can't because part of your brain is focusing over here. You physically can't show up fully as who you should be. And so I think that that's such a great place to leave this with Renee of like <laughs> we I feel like she and I, she and I and Melissa, like we've formed this relationship where because we aren't focused on what the others are doing, we actually come together and build even a stronger team where then that is what promotes like our boutique crawl and all of this stuff where um, we kind of bring all of our strengths together on that line um, to then make something even better than just our individual businesses. And when you can do that, it's just going to make everybody stronger. Yes, agreed. Agreed. Yep. <laughs> well, Renee, we are so grateful you came on and gave us your time and your expertise about owning your boutique and leaving teaching. And we just really appreciate you um, coming on to share with us. Yeah. Thank you, Renee. It was nice to meet you. Well, thank you. Same, and thank you all for the opportunity. It was fun. Okay, so Jen, I obviously loved a lot that she shared. One, I did not know her backstory about a business before teaching. So that yeah. was really cool. I'm going to, when I see her later, I'm going to ask her what it was. I'm very curious. Yeah, I, would, I wanted to ask, but I didn't know if it was intentional of like why she didn't say what it was maybe. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I think that's just such a good example of like just try something and if it fails. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean like 
your next thing will fail. Mm-hmm. So that was good. Yeah. And from working alongside her, I say alongside, it's not like we own the same business, but I do <laughs> like, we really are like business friends when you have those people that you can ask those questions to. And they just do such a good, whatever she learned from the business before, she's really done a good job this year because her this, with this business, because she is just very organized. She knows when she's going to go to market, what she's going to get. Um, if you walk in her store, it's very cohesive and clean. And um, like you walk in, one of my favorite things to do now that I know like what a brand is, is to walk into a business and be like, oh, I could name their four pillars. Or their, their pillars. Four yeah. Characteristics. Yes. And I like, like that hers too. Are easy. She makes it easy because you walk in and um, when she says her and her mom love brands, like they are the store in Liberty Hill that will carry the high-end brands that everyone, the Consuela bags and, you know, the John Hart and all of the name brand stuff, um, which sets her apart from everyone else. Because I can't think of another person in town that does like name brand things. You have to drive 30 minutes to get those name brand things. So, mm-hmm. um, but like, it also is like a higher end market, but they do such a good job. You walk in and you know, if you were to walk in somewhere that carried high-end stuff and it be kind of junky, you'd be like, why am I going to pay this much for a product? And they just, it's so beautiful. They redid an old house. It's beautiful. It's modern. It's so like all of these, um, they kind of have like a mix of boho. Like, I think I could walk in and like name, um, name what they do. And so I, I, whatever she learned from the past, they've done a great job with Pep and Punch. That's awesome. I also like what she said about um, just, you know, being you, showing up as you, not worrying what everyone else is doing, Mm -hmm. targeting your market and making sure it's a clear, direct message. And that kind of ties into what you were saying that she really does in her store. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. um, that target market is finding it. That's such a good reminder because it's hard. It's hard to show Mm up and not be concerned. Not to like lean into the competitive part with other small businesses, but to truly yeah. be like community and know we each bring something different. Yeah. Cause I mean, even think of like, even if you're not local to people, Etsy itself is comp- like everyone right. on there is competition. And so when you, when you're so focused on that or even looking at their listings, well, what, you know, what are they doing? Maybe I should copy their design or whatever. It's like, no, like, be who you are, stay here, and your people will, like, follow, like come to you and, and seek you out right. for what they need. So, right. yeah, it's been – it's the other thing that I loved that she said was that she's she is very goal-driven, like, just in general. But, like, how she said the best thing that she changed was being goal-driven and working backwards to say, like, this is what we need. Um, because I think the creative types – like us who make our stuff, it's just like, oh, I feel like making this today. And I feel like making this <laughs> instead of saying like, oh, in order to make rent this, this month, I need to make 50 wet bags. So that needs to be on my, to do, oh, I'm sorry, go bags. Oh, I know. I was wondering if you're going to catch yourself. Yeah. Someone actually messaged me on Instagram and they said, I got my go bag. And I was like, oh, you know the new lingo. No, the name. <laughs> the name. Um, but yeah, anyways, it was great. If you are a teacher or you run a wholesale boutique, we hope this was super helpful. Or just like we were saying in general, just knowing um, community over competition. And we can take that online too, because that's why we're here. 
We are here so that we can be community over competition and never do small business life alone. Because we're better together. Join in the conversation by following us on Instagram at at underscore small business sisters. Make sure to introduce yourself because we love to follow and support other small businesses. And if you love the podcast, we would absolutely be so grateful if you subscribe and leave us a review. Every positive review helps other small business owners to find us. Remember, don't do life alone. We're better together.